All right, well, um, it's good to be with you. Uh, I think I said that at the beginning when we had class. Uh, it's always great to be here. Um, definitely uh, sorry that we're missing a couple people, um, but it seems like we have our, our core uh, pretty much here, uh, minus uh, Kirby and Richard. Um, I know, we, I know we've been talking about Richard for several weeks now and just talking about what he's going through and I know that I've, I've been trying to remember to, to pray for him uh, as often as I as often as I can remember to try to remember to pray for him as much as I can remember to pray for anybody uh, except for myself basically I think that a lot of times with prayer like I just find myself thinking about what, what I'm going through but I I mean I, I know that's something that we really need to focus on um, in the New Testament we see so many times example of Paul in particular just praying for other people and you know not asking for prayers that often for himself so I, I think we need to follow that trend and definitely tell each other when we need prayers but make sure that we are telling other people I'm praying for you and that we're actually doing that um, anyway I was thinking about that myself thinking about some, that I need to improve on that so I thought I would share that with you all maybe that's something we can do and kind of Richard was the one that made me think of that um, we're going to be in John chapter 1, and that's the only place we're going to be this morning. I don't even know if it's morning still, but uh, that's the only place we're going to be today is John 1. And I'll kind of give you the reason that I was thinking about John 1 was mainly for what happens in verses 35 through 42, where there's this interaction uh, primarily with, with a couple of John's disciples, and now they're becoming Jesus' disciples. And really, I was looking at Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, more than anything. But then I just started thinking about John 1 as a whole and started looking through it. And uh, I thought it'd be a, a good time just to uh, spend the, uh, our total focus on this chapter. There's a lot in this chapter, and there's a lot of different avenues we can go down and there's a lot of things for us to discuss but I do want to focus on just a couple of things to, uh, today two aspects that I really want to focus on is learning something about Jesus maybe reminding our, some, ourselves something about Jesus um, that's the first aspect just simply learning more about Jesus the second aspect that I want to focus on is learn something about the people around Jesus and how we should be receiving Jesus. What should be our response to this Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, what should we be doing or what, what should our uh, reaction be to the facts about him, to the things we learn about him? And the reason I, I want to bring this up is because um, when you look at John, uh, John the Baptist, um, I think that there's... We, we see how he responded to Jesus, and I can't help but think of how he could have responded to Jesus. And there's, there's a lot of other ways he could have responded to this Jesus. Um, then I look at Andrew, and I look at the other people who were called, Philip. Uh, I look at Nathaniel, um, even Simon Peter, and you know what might have been um, the writer here, John himself. And I think of what their response to Jesus was versus what it could have been. And then I think of myself, and, and I try to think about, am I responding to Jesus appropriately, the way that they did? Um, anyway, so that's, that's kind of the, the mindset that I want us to be in, is just examine how you respond to Jesus, to what you know of Jesus. 
And to do that, I think we need to dial back and actually look at the facts and look at the things about Jesus that we see here in John 1. So to begin, I just want to start by reading verses 1 through uh, 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have, rece we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's go ahead and stop there. If you just start in verse 1 and begin reading, you don't know who he's talking about. If you've read this before or been instructed in, in some of these things before, you know who he's talking about. But if you were just totally oblivious, you picked up the Bible or someone said, hey, you need to go read John 1, you don't know who he's talking about until you get to verse 17 because it's very ambiguous that there's this person oh it's not a person it's like a a, a being and there's a, a divine nature in this being but it says word that that's that's how uh the being is described and then became flesh and then all of this and then john this person john who's john uh you know he's bearing witness uh so he's like saying yes this is he who it was foretold about and he's confirming the things about this being um, but then all of a sudden we get down to verse 17 and there's a lot of aspects that I'm going to go through about uh, who this is and everything or about his characteristics but it's not until verse 17 that we read that who this is it's all of this is through Jesus Christ right so you kind of backtrack and then that's how you're able to understand oh in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God it's talking about Jesus Christ right there. I know that we know that, but I felt like it was, it's worthwhile for us to emphasize that that's not easily seen unless you've either A, been told that's just what it is, or B, you've read through it enough to actually realize, okay, that's who it is. Um, and I would say that if we're going to talk to somebody else about John 1, it's not going to be very easy for them to see that um, unless we just tell them that's how it is and they believe us. Or if we read through it enough and they're able to, to actually see it for themselves. Um, so then what I want to do is I want to skip down and I want to read verses 29 and 30. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John. Uh, 
as we would say John the Baptist. Um, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. I went one extra verse, but uh, John here is solidifying what I just said. Like, he's confirming. He's, he, we already know John is the one that is bearing witness. So who is he bearing witness to? Bearing witness to this one that is the word that becomes flesh, that all these other things. And then he's the one that says, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. That's Jesus. So all, this is confirming all the things that, that we know about Jesus, that, that John 1 is talking about Jesus. He was in the beginning. So let's just go through some of the things that we learn about Jesus based on the fact that uh, we can kind of interpret, but also John himself is confirming and bearing witness to who Jesus is. Let's, let's go through the list, uh, starting in verse 1. I'm not going to go verse by verse, but I'm just going to kind of go through the things that I found about facts and really... Think of this being your first impression of Jesus. This is your introduction. Maybe this is in a pamphlet of, uh, you know, how you might go and like hear a speaker and it's like, here's the facts of the speaker or something like that, or whatever it might be. Like, this is the first thing you know about Jesus. First of all, he's God because he says that the word was God. He's eternal because he was in the beginning with God. He's powerful because he was part of creation. And when I, say, when I say part of creation, I don't mean he was part of creation in being created. He's part of creation in, in doing the creating. He is life. He is light. He is coming after John and following him. And John is the witness of him. I, wrote down, I put down that he's unique. Because if you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at verses 9 through 13 kind of, there's this very unique nature of him. He was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. How does that work? Like, you made it, you're in it, but the world doesn't know you. Very unique, very different, but not in a bad way at all. Um, also unique in the fact that he came to his own as people did not receive him. These are his people. They just say, we don't know you, basically. Um, he is flesh. The word became flesh. He's a giver, the giver of grace and truth. He is our way of seeing God because it says in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. And I think he says that because in contrast, we can see God through Jesus. So he says the only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. I take that to mean the one at the father's side, this Jesus Christ has made God known. So that's how we can see God is, is through Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. That's what John proclaims that he is. And he's filled with the Spirit. If you go uh, a little further down and you read through verse 34, um, verse 32 in particular, John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. So the last thing is that he's the Son of God, Son of the Father. 
those are the facts of, of Jesus, of Nazareth. We, we've never met Jesus. We didn't see him as he was a child or as he was growing up or know his parents or anything. But So this is a little bit as difficult as maybe this is for some of us to wrap our head around. This is kind of easy for us because it's not changing or altering our understanding of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, it's not like we're, it's a revelation of, oh my goodness, like he, he's the son of God. We're, we're coming from this, from an angle of, okay, my understanding of the Bible, it, the basic understanding is God is real and Jesus is the son of God. I think from the time I was a kid, I didn't understand the complexity of that, but that's all I really knew is that Jesus was the son of God and he died for me. But imagine being someone who knew Jesus, who knew him as a boy, knew him as a teenager. Um, I'm sure that some considered him a snotty little kid or something like that. And, you know, some of the kids probably thought that's my buddy or so. I don't know. I mean, but imagine this being the introduction, being what is said about this Jesus whom maybe you haven't seen in a little while. Maybe you, you don't know who he is at this point. All of this is true. Like, he's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He's eternal. He's from the beginning. He was in the beginning with God, all of that. And I'm not saying that John is writing to, writing this down for, you know, to hand out, be like, hey, I want you to get to know Jesus. You think you know him, but you don't. I'm not saying that's happening, but just put yourself in that mentality of all these things are going to be said about this man that you know, this young man that you know. How would you respond to Jesus? I think it would be difficult for me to wrap my head around and to really believe it. Now, if we were to continue reading, I think it, it would be much easier to, to believe it after when you read chapter 2, basically. Uh, the things that he does make it, makes it easier to believe. But this is not super easy, I think, for people that were his friends, people that were his neighbors and things like that to, to believe this about Jesus. But our first impression on this side of the cross, on this side of, of everything, is, is just really made and is really formed by the things that we just read, I think. That's our first impression of who Jesus is. So, what do you think about Jesus so far? He's impressive, right? Someone that I need to listen to. Someone that I need to, to learn more about. Someone I should really follow his life. I mean, um, not at all to compare Jesus, the Son of God, to any other person at all. But, you know, there, there's been times where certain people, whether it be because of their um, intellect, whether it be because of their abilities and, and their athleticism or whatever, that maybe when they were in high school or something like that, it was said of them that, like, He's the next whatever, you know, and, and it's just like, oh, we need to keep track of this kid, right? We need to watch this guy. Imagine this being said of you. You really need to watch this guy. You need to see more about him. You need to see what happens with him. Um, I think of that happening uh, with, I remember, I remember that happened kind of like Bryce Harper, the baseball player. I, re I remember that when I think I was in college, but and I remember hearing some things about him. He was like, oh, 
on Sports Illustrated and all this other stuff. And I think he was like a you know 17-year-old kid and just crushing the ball, right? And it's just like, oh, watch this kid. And now we've all watched him. And what we've seen is that, you know, it's good and bad, right? I mean, we've seen how impressive he is in uh, his area of expertise, but we've also seen some things about him that um, are maybe less desirable. Not to say he's a terrible person. I don't, I don't know many facts about him. I just mean you see how a person conducts himself. But the reason we see that is because he's in the limelight, because we're like, okay, we've got to watch this guy. That's what starts happening to Jesus here. As soon as John says, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the one who I said was coming after me, whose straps I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not worthy of, of loosening his straps or whatever. <clears throat> like, I'm not worthy of him. This is the one who's the Son of God. From now on, people are going to be watching Jesus' every move. And they should. Because... That's what I would do, I think. That's what any of us would do. Um, so anyway, that's our first impression of Jesus when we look through John 1. Now what I want to do is, and I, w- I want you to keep in mind all of those things about Jesus. And I want you to put yourself now in the shoes of John. Not the writer John, but John the Baptist here. We know some facts about John, and he's an impressive individual as well. Might have looked a little weird coming out of the wilderness. I don't know. It's hard for me to really envision all of that. But I don't know if I would have been drawn close to him. I would have been drawn near him to see what was going to happen. But not too close because I think I would have been a little bit nervous about him and kind of scared of what he looked like potentially. But, um, but you know, John is an impressive individual as well. And here he is as people are coming to him, listening to him, hanging on every word. Uh, he has disciples. He has a following. And here he is willing to say, this is the man you should follow. This is the one that I said was better than me. He's coming after me. I'm preparing the way for him. For him. And, I, and maybe this is something you've considered before, but would that be easy for you to be in the position of John where I, from the very be- from the beginning, you've kind of known that this was going to happen, but you know it's been a little time, and you've kind of, like I said, you've got a following now, and now you're supposed to decrease while he increases. I don't believe that's very easy. I personally would find that difficult. Not that my pride would get in the way to where I would want to battle out for attention, but. The more and more Jesus gets recognition, the less John is known for being like the guy you should follow, right? Like he still has followers even as we get later into the Gospels. We see that there's a time where there's like another um, kind of confirmation. Like, are you really the one that we seek? And Jesus is like, yes. And and John's the one that sends them. So he still has people that are following him. but, But John is expected from day one. So to be preparing the way for Jesus, and that's it. That's his purpose. And I would find that kind of difficult as that played out in my life to, to really to do, to do that. And I think there's some reasons for that. I think it's a sense of pride, probably. I think it's just, I don't know. I mean, if you ever, whether it's in work or even, fa- I think family more than work, probably. Have you ever 
and a family member get a little bit of more attention than than what you know they used to get and you were the one that got attention and now I mean I don't know it gets awkward <laughs> you know and I think that's kind of what happens what would happen with me here it would at minimum it would be at bare minimum it would be like an internal struggle coping with what's going on in the situation um, I'm having to fall back and Jesus is you know having to increase and this is someone that John's know John's known from from the get-go you know from birth I mean so I thought that was a little bit of a different way of looking at John 1 just kind of thinking about it from the standpoint of John the Baptist but now I want to go back a little bit and I want to actually read some verses we skipped over just to kind of confirm this let's read 19 through 28 this is the testimony of John remember John is the one that's preparing the way right this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Okay. They, all they want to know is, Who are you? He knows what they're thinking. And his first thing, he's not going to say, Yes, I'm the one that you read of in the Old Testament that's preparing the way. His first thing that he says is, I am not the Christ. Like He makes it very clear from the beginning. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you were neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one who, one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. He's deferring to the coming Messiah, but I don't think that would be so easy. I think it would be a little bit I think it would be very easy for some of these things to go to your to go to a person's head. John's been blessed. I mean, he has a designated purpose. But you know, when you're set on a mission, sometimes things change and you get a little bit of attention and accolades and you get distracted from the mission. John didn't. I mean, his mission was prepare the way for Jesus. And even though he has people coming to him and they're impressed with him, he has people following him, I'm not going to say none of that matters to him. It just it doesn't affect him the way I think it would affect some of us. Um, and, and that's impressive to me. I, I think one lesson, yeah, I, I don't have like four points necessarily. My, my, I really just have two points. But I guess a, a sub-point of this idea of, of the second point about John really is that our, inner, our response to attention and to praise is really determined by how we view Jesus and what we believe about him. If we believe all these things about Jesus, that he is God, he's from the beginning, he is light, he is life, all of these things, he's the creator, I think that helps me to be humble. And I believe that will help all of us to, whether we 
you know, we don't have to turn away people who are trying to say thanks for the things that we do or, or praise us for whatever, but like, just make sure you turn the attention to Jesus. The only way you do that is by an adequate understanding of who Jesus is and by keeping that in mind at all times. So I, I don't think it would be so easy to pass the torch to Jesus but I think it's easier for John because he knows exactly who Jesus is. And I believe that would be the same for us. Now I want to skip over and actually look at this, what I would consider to be kind of the, really the passing of the torch in practical terms. In verse 35 through 42. So this is after John has confirmed who Jesus is. He's, he's the son of God. Like he's borne witness to this. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the second time in the presence of people, John has made a point to say that he is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So I kind of had a an interesting thought when I was reading through this part. You know, when, um, when John sees Jesus, he says, he calls him the Lamb of God. He says, behold the Lamb of God. I think he says this so that these two disciples will follow after Jesus. But I couldn't help but wonder, um, why would he do this? Maybe these disciples weren't the best. You know, maybe they weren't, you know, you can have those disciples, Jesus. I'm going to keep the good ones for me. But that's not true. If you look at Andrew specifically, we don't, I, I can't remember if we know the other one at all, but um, if you look at Andrew specifically, look what happens because of Andrew, right? Andrew is the type that if he, if he knows something is true, he's going to go tell someone about it. Because he goes directly home and he tells his brother, Simon Peter. So thanks to John, and obviously John's only doing this because it's what God wants him to do. Thanks to John, though, Jesus has two disciples. One of those is Andrew, who goes and gets another disciple, his brother, Simon Peter. And we all know what happens, thanks to Simon Peter. So John's not sitting here thinking, yeah, you can have some of the people that follow me, but you know, there's some rock stars I have with me, and I don't want you to have those. John knows it's not about him anymore. It's about Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the one people need to follow. So I, I don't know if it's possible to be more impressed with John the Baptist, just knowing all the things that we know about him. But, but, I, but I think I am a little bit when I, when I look at it from this angle, because I don't know if it would be that easy for me to do that. And as I consider what I'm supposed to be doing as, as just a disciple, as a believer in Jesus, it's not that far off from what John did. 
not that I'm preparing the way for Jesus in the way that he did, but are we not supposed to be helping prepare the way for God to, to work in people's hearts? And by, by that, what I mean is we're supposed to be having these interactions and, and build up these relationships, cultivating good, solid relationships. And we're supposed to be doing that not just to benefit ourselves. We're supposed to be doing that for the cause of Christ, to introduce them to Jesus, basically. So in that way, we might find it difficult at times, but our purpose, our God-given purpose is to go out and to seek other people so that we can introduce them to Jesus and say, you need to follow him. Not so that we can go out and have some sort of following ourselves and not so that we're known as being some great person, some you know, figure that people just draw to. That's, that's not our purpose in life. I do want to spend a few minutes thinking about someone else that's here in the text, and that's Andrew. Because I think Andrew is similar to John in this. Can you imagine being the type of person that 2,000 years from now, um, all that's known about you really, or the first thing that's known about you is who your brother is? That's Andrew. <laughs> I mean, yes, he was an apostle of Jesus. But if you, I mean, I, I did this. If you Google him, if you just look up Wikipedia, in the first paragraph, like the second or third thing that's said about him is that he was the brother of Simon Peter. If you do that to Simon Peter, you Google him and look up Wikipedia, Andrew's down the list. It doesn't mention him being the brother of Andrew right off the bat. It's after a lot of things, accolades, and things we know about Simon. That would be a little bit difficult for me as well. But I don't believe Andrew had a problem with that, just like I don't believe John had a problem. Because it wasn't about them. They had met and seen and witnessed the Son of God. So it was really just about, let's just get people to him. I'm, I am impressed with Andrew, even though I don't see him say anything other than this. We have found the Messiah. You know, this might be difficult for us to, cons to, to really think about this because it's, as it plays out, this isn't the only thing that we're going to be required to say to somebody probably. If we're going to try to teach somebody or bring them to Christ, you're probably not going to only be able to say, I found the Messiah, and then instantly they're going to be seeking Jesus. But that's all, that's all he had to say. That's all he, that was required of him to say. So he said it. And it wasn't about him. It was about, look, look to Jesus. I'm going to go tell someone else about Jesus. I, I think that's one of the most difficult things for me, is to be like Andrew in this. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine trying to be like Peter, but it's hard for me to be like Andrew, that I have knowledge of something. I have an understanding of something. Now, let me just go simply tell someone what I know or bring them to Christ. I don't believe that's super easy and comfortable. But then imagine as it goes along, Peter starts being, and I think Andrew was there some, but Peter starts being really part of that inner circle, right? And Peter's the one who, I think we say it this way, he kind of unlocks the doors to the kingdom kind of thing, you know, and, and acts to, that's Peter. All of these things are happening with Peter and Andrew I don't know where he is. 
Um, he's over there in the crowd telling Jesus, hey, this boy has a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. That's the only other thing really we know about Andrew. But that's not a problem, I believe, for him, even though it doesn't say it. I think just looking at, at him and what he does here, there's, there's a few things I want to point out. And again, it's about, really it's about John, but I, but I think Andrew displays this as well. So there's three things that I just want to mention that, that needs to be our takeaway, that needs to be how we respond to the facts of Jesus. The first is we need to be humble. And I think that's an easy thing to, to point out. We need to be humble people. Um, but it's not just humble in a sense of being quiet. It's humble in a sense of knowing our purpose, which is the second thing. Committed to the task that's before us. And, and just be like focused on that. And that's not... That's very difficult for me at times because there's many tasks that I have. It, at work, I have this um, little, we, we go through a system and everything. We enter everything into that system. And there's this little thing in there where it says tasks. I never in my life thought I would be using that because I thought I'll remember or whatever. It's just, you know, doesn't matter. I use it all the time. Like if someone says, yeah, call me back in 30 minutes. I go onto their profile. I click task. And I set a reminder to call him in 30 minutes, right? Last night, Kelsey set a reminder to cancel um, some subscription to something that she was like, okay, I only want to use this to watch the Atlanta United soccer match. And that's it. And I want to cancel it like within five days. We set reminders and tasks all the time. And so we get, we get focused on those things. Well, what about the, the, the task that is before us? We, don't, we shouldn't have to have reminders set every hour, every day that you know, be a follower of God, be a disciple and bring people to Christ. But I think, I think I need that. I think I need those reminders because my commitment to the task can waver depending on what task is placed right before me. But there's an overarching task and goal and purpose that we have. And it's not the same as John in the sense that we are preparing the way exactly how he did, but it is very similar to John and that we're preparing the way for Christ. Um, for individuals that we know. And the third thing is just that I think we need to be the ultimate servant. Um, just to whatever degree we have to serve, that's what we do. It's not about ourselves. So those are the three main points that I wanted to be just kind of takeaway points for us as we think about John and Andrew. But I do want to emphasize that those three things are only going to be uh, practical and things that we actually put into put in our lives if we know Jesus the way we ought to, if we're reminded of who he is. I do want to finish off John 1, and then that's pretty much it, because I think that this will help us even more. The next day, this is verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, to, said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, 
Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The main thing I just wanted to point out about this is that as we come closer to Jesus and learn more of him, we should be as equally impressed as we see Nathaniel is here. Um, we should be impressed by what he's capable of, what, his, uh, what he says, how he lives his life. That should be something that impresses us and draws us closer to him. But um, I guess a secondary point that I get from this is that like Andrew said, we found the Messiah. Like John said, hey, this is the Lamb of God. Sometimes all we have to do is be the type of person that says, that says here is Jesus. And they say, wait, what? I don't understand that. And then you just invite them on the journey to come and see. That's exactly what Philip did with Nathaniel. Now, it was different because they went and they saw a physical Jesus. They went to him and sat at his feet and learned from him. So maybe... This might sound, I don't, I don't know if corny is the right word, probably the wrong word to use, but um, I think the, the best way we do that is, number one, our lives need to reflect, obviously, Jesus to where people can see him in some ways through us. But another thing we need to do is really, as we, as we strive to be committed to the task and talk to people about Christ, maybe all we have to say is come and see, and, and really the only thing we have to do that with is the Bible. But we also do have other people. So there could be other people, that another person you know that say, I want, I want to be part of this study with them. So it's kind of like come and see Christ in the scripture, but also come and see how Christ, um, his example is lived out through, through the brethren that we know. Um, anyway, I, I hope that the lesson seemed cohesive. Um, again, I do want to emphasize that as we try to put this into practice and we try to be humble and, you know, just be committed to the purpose, even though it'll cause us to kind of decrease and be put on the back burner to some degree. Um, we're only going to be able to do that if we see Jesus for who he is. And I, and I really think that understanding him being God, him being the creator, him being light and life and in whom uh, grace is found and truth, all of those things, I think, I hope that'll help us maybe just a little bit to be a little bit more committed to the task and being willing to take a step back as Jesus is put in the forefront. Um, anyway, maybe there are some things that you are struggling with and that you need to discuss. We talked this morning in class about fellowship. Um, I, I did consider the, the fact that we should be talking as a group about things that we struggle with, but also fellowship does not have to be among the group. I mean, sharing in that way. Um, we, we probably should reach out to at least one other person if we are struggling with something so that they can pray for, for us. But if there is something for us all to be aware of, uh, this is a good time for that. We are going to sing 715. Um, and it might be that kind of just a rededication to... Uh, of our lives to Christ is what we need. But if you do have a need or you need to talk about something or have prayers, you have uh, time right now as we stand and as we sing.